you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find with me 1 Samuel, the 27th chapter. We are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. And I want to uh, just start by saying we're going to look at two other verses today, but uh, this is where we're going to spend our time. Today, I, I want to talk to you about only God can be trusted. Uh, we're starting a, a new series as we look toward the end of this book about only God can be trusted. I say that because many times when you and I read the Bible, uh, we are guilty of reading about Noah or David or Esther, and, and we make those individuals the heroes of the stories. Uh, we can do that about the Apostle Paul or Peter or John. But the Bible will always remind us that people are sinners, that people have flaws. That is probably one of the main reasons that I believe this book is the Word of God. It is because the good and the bad is in this book. Um, they didn't take out things that made David look better or Moses look better. If, if they made tremendous mistakes, it's in there. It's the truth. And as we are watching our own country, as we're trying to avoid our history, to change our history, to deny our history, uh, when you read a book like this that has it all in there, the good, the bad, it reminds us that it's true, that God is the hero of every story. You say, Jake, I don't know if there's a problem with that. We have a, a, literally a chapter in the book of Hebrews that we call the heroes of the faith chapter. And so while we should honor people, for their contributions and learn from them. The only good in us is the goodness of God. That Jesus Christ died, saved us from our sin. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And today I, I hope to take you on two journeys today to accomplish something. And the first is this. Today, if you are in a mess... I mean, you have woke up and realized, how did I get here? How did this happen? I can't even imagine. It's kind of like when you get on the scale after Christmas and you think, holy cow, right? How did this happen? How it happened was one piece of ham at a time, amen? Um, but you wake up and you realize, this is not where I need to be. Or two today, if you are beginning to struggle in certain areas of your life. See, today I want you to know that when you wake up and you're in a mess, that God still loves you, that God cares about you, that you still have hope. Uh, because sometimes when we hit rock bottom, we feel like there's no way up. There's no way out. There's no way for this to change. And the second thing, the extreme is, when we're beginning to struggle, many times we think, I can control it. It won't get out of hand. I won't end up like so many other people. And so as we begin to look at the end of Saul's life and we begin to look at how David goes from an outcast to on the throne, how those two situations affected both of them. In Proverbs, the third chapter, I want to read two very familiar verses with you because whether you're in the mess or whether you are starting to struggle with it, the Bible says in Proverbs, the third chapter, verses five and six, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He 
shall direct your paths. And so today the issue is God is the only one who can be trusted. And I want you just to stop for just a moment and think about where we were last week. At the end of chapter 26, David has experienced some amazing things. Saul was laying there asleep in front of him, and David could have taken his life, but David didn't. And if you remember how the end of chapter 26 ends, David is talking about how God is so good to him, how God has delivered him. King Saul even begins to say, David, I know that God is going to bless you. I know that God is going to be for you. I know that you are going to be successful. And that's where chapter 26 ends. It's a mountaintop moment. And you would think, if if you're like me, man, I've got some momentum. Things are going well. The future looks bright. And I say that because chapter 27 completely changes. And today you might be saying, well, Jake, I'm not as sinful as you are. I'm not as sinful as David is. And and I've got things in a good place right now. But in Psalms chapter 11, King David actually writes these words through his psalmist. In the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? David had some friends that were telling him, don't trust God, flee for your life. Don't trust the foundation of God, run for your life. And David says, absolutely not. Why would I flee if God is for me? Why would I run if God is the foundation that my life is built on? And I want to read verses 1 and 2, and we're going to pray. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, I want you to remember about trusting God and what David just said. And starting in verse 1, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. What did David just tell them in Psalms 11 that he would not do? Flee. But yet in the beginning of chapter 27, when everything was going well, when everything was as it should be, he what? Flees. So pray with me this morning. Father, I come to you, Lord, thankful for who you are. And Lord, I come today lifting up this congregation to you, Father, praying that they would know today that no matter where they're at, you have a purpose and a plan for their life. Father, I pray that you would remind them if they are in the pit, that God, that you love them, that you've not abandoned them. Father, today, if they're beginning to struggle with a certain temptation, a certain sin, Lord, a certain 
uh, way of doing things, God, before the damage is done, Lord, to the day that you speak to them. Father, I just pray that you would work and move and throughout all that we say and do today, Lord, please keep the focus that you are truly the only hero. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And so, Father, I pray today that you would speak, that you'd work, that you'd move all for your glory. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus name. Amen. And so if you're taking notes today, and I really do hope that you will. And if I take I ask you to take notes for a couple of reasons. One, that you know that you are hearing the word of God, that you can study it, that you can evaluate it throughout the week. And two, so that you can use it throughout the week to remind you and to grow and to study. And so the first thing I want to show you today is that unbelief leads us astray. Unbelief leads us astray. And if you look up astray on Google definitions, it will tell you that that means to head the wrong direction. And look what it says here in verses 1 through 4. And David said in his heart. Now, you have probably heard this, that it's not wrong to talk to yourself. It's only dangerous when you answer. That is not true, by the way. All of us talk to ourselves and answer. Whether you like it or not, sometimes it's in our hearts, sometimes it's in our minds, and that's what David is doing here. We don't know for sure or not, but my imagination wants me to think. Can you imagine in my own life when I've been up at three or four in the morning with a difficult decision to make, and, and I just don't know what to do, I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know what it's going to work out to be. You know, Maybe you've ever been there before. You've been up late at night, or, or there's a decision at work, or a decision at marriage, and, or a decision that's got to be made, and, or maybe it's a doctor visit, or a, or a court case, and you're thinking, oh, I just... Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to go. I just can't. I'm just, you're speaking to yourself. You're, you're struggling internally. And David said in his heart, he's having a tug of war here about what to do and where to go and who to trust. Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. He is trying to decide, is God really going to save me or is Saul going to get me? Well, do you remember what he just said in chapter 26? God's with me. Saul can't do anything to me. I don't have to worry about this. Saul even said the same thing. And it says, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Think about that. David has given in to this unbelief. And to this fear. And he said there's nothing here for me. He, there's nothing here in Israel. Well there were a couple things in Israel. One. The worship of God. The promised land of God. The people of God. The promise that he was going to be king. But friends. Each and every one of us. Whether it is health. Whether it is drama. Whether it is relationships. Whether it is our sin. All can be put into a position where we begin to doubt God. You say, not me, preacher. I've never doubted God. You are a liar. All of us, under the wrong circumstances, can begin to waver. We can begin to doubt. We can begin to question what we believe and who we believe. And so he says, I'm just going to flee. I'm going to go to the place of the Philistines, the people that have hated Israel that have made Israel miserable, I'll just go there. And listen to what it says. 
And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. He says, Saul won't chase me anymore. He'll leave me alone. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the Carmelite, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. And so David flees, David takes his men, he takes their families, and they abandon Israel to the pagan land of the Philistines. I want to show you here this something very quickly this morning. Just because your plans work out does not mean that is what God's plans for your life were. David was safe. There's no doubt about it. Saul stopped pursuing him just like David wanted. But friends, David would have been safe if he had stayed in Israel. Because why? God had already proven that to him. But David's fear and unbelief in the promises of God led him to go the wrong direction. Listen to what Hebrews, or excuse me, Psalms chapter 106 says. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. The Lord told them that he was taking them to the promised land, that he was going to give them a land that flowed with milk and honey, that they would have and possess, and they would have houses that they didn't build. They would have vineyards that they didn't plant. All of the promises of God in the promised land, but yet they didn't like the way they got there. They didn't like the trip that it was on. When they got there, they didn't like the fact that the people that were in there were intimidating and were burdensome. And God says, if it hadn't been for Moses making intercession for them, I'd have wiped them no good complaining fools out because they did not what? Believe him. And so if you know anything about this, the children of Israel made the journey but yet did not get to what? Enter in. And they wandered for 40 years and a whole generation of people died. And friends, I want you to see this. God's intent was for them to go and to enjoy and to have the promises that God intended for them, but yet they chose to go awry. They chose to go astray and to go the wrong direction. And this morning, wherever you're at in your walk with God, whether you are a strong, mature Christian and you've just begun to get lazy in your faith, well, I've read the Bible through 17 times. Why would I need to read it again? Or maybe your family used to be devout in your prayer time and Bible study and church attendance and, and soul winning activities. And, and now you're just kind of, you know, we're just so busy and we've just got so much going on. It's not a, not a big deal. Or maybe you're here today and you're a new believer. And you're really struggling with some things that God's word says, right? That you can no longer live the same way you used to live and talk the same way you used to talk and go to the same places you used to go. And you're saying, man, that's a lot to, to turn and live a different life now that I'm saved. And you're struggling with that. 
Or maybe you're here today and you're looking. You said, Jake, I let my, my pride get in the way and it's ruined my marriage. Or Jake, I let my, my mouth get in the, me in trouble and now I've broken relationships. Or Jake, maybe I, I've made decisions and sinned and, and I find myself in a mess and I don't know where to go. You see, this morning you're not alone. It's exactly what David did. David began to not trust God and the promises of God. And he began to go astray. Second thing I want to show you about unbelief this morning is not only will unbelief lead us astray or in the wrong direction, unbelief will lead us away. It will lead us to a place that we do not need to be. You see, there's a way that is wrong, but yet eventually you will end up in a place that God does not want you to be. Look in verses 5 through 11. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. If you remember a few chapters ago, David went to the Philistines and acted like a crazy person. Act like he was mentally unstable, that he was convulsing, that he was crazy. And they said, well, we don't want no madman with us. Take him. We don't want him here. And so now he comes back to the very same people. And he says, I need a place. I need a place to live. This army needs a place to be. And it's the old saying goes like this. The enemy of my enemy is my... Akish is saying, David's their best warrior. David killed Goliath. David has killed his tens of thousands. And he doesn't want to support Saul. He doesn't want to support Israel. He wants to come here and live in peace. Sign us up. And listen to what he says here. It goes on. <clears throat> so Akish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. Don't miss that. And David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old. And as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt, whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive but took away the sheep, the oxen, and the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Akish. Then Akish would say, Where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jeremites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. You see, the king of the Philistines gave him a piece of property and assumed that he would go to war with Israel, that he would bother the southern parts of Israel. And David, knowing that, told him that. But David did something that was not a whole lie, it was a partial truth. He was attacking the enemies of the Philistines and Israel, but he wasn't attacking the ones who he said and who he thought. 
It's like this old saying, a half-true is a full lie. And that's what David was doing. David would kill a whole town full of people. And there are two thoughts on this, and I want to be very clear because I don't believe you should skip things that are uncomfortable in the Bible. One, these people were commanded to be wiped out earlier in the Bible. You can read Deuteronomy, Numbers. These were some of the tribes that were in the promised land that God said, drive them out. And so I've heard Bible commentaries say that David was justified in doing this because of the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. I agree with that to a point. But there is also something that David did that God does not honor. David was deceitful. And David lied. And I believe, this is just my opinion, you can take it for what it's worth. The reason that David was not allowed to bid the temple was this right here. David went to war against people and lied about it. I want you to notice something about this chapter. God is not mentioned one time in chapter 27. Not that David prayed about what to do. Not that David asked God for instruction. Not that God would protect him or anything. David did what David thought was best. But I want you to notice something about this passage of Scripture this morning. Even though David was not going where he should have gone, not where he should have been, God still didn't abandon David. And God still brought good out of it. And so, friends, if you've lived a long time like me, there are a lot of things in your past that you wish weren't there. And there are scars that I will take with me until my deathbed, this one on my nose, as a result of sin. But friends, I am thankful as well that God was merciful to me in my years of sin and wickedness. I'm thankful for the relationships that I didn't destroy, and I destroyed many of them in those days. I'm thankful for the people that I used to sit around taverns with that I've had the privilege of leading to the Lord. I'm thankful for those things. God works even in our messes. And so this morning you might be saying, Jake, our situation is so broken. Our situation is so hopeless. Jake, there is nothing that God can do out of this. There's no good that can come from this. Today you can look at David and see that that is not true. Listen to what it says in Hebrews, the third chapter. Starting in verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. Don't miss that word. In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily why it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. We're looking back again to the children of Israel, and it was their unbelief that led them to sin, and that sin that hardened their hearts, even though God was leading them, God was directing them, God was blessing them. Their unbelief led them to where God did not want them to be. And this morning, I want you to see this in David's life. David was a man after God's own heart. But yet David is not as low as he will be in the Bible. But David's at a pretty low place. David has been at a place now where he is literally one not in God's promised land anymore. He is not even fighting for God's people anymore. 
And he is lying about the fact that he is going to war and annihilating whole cities full of people. You see, friends, even when it seems hopeless, even when it seems that you're away from God, the hero is still Jesus. The fact that Jesus still loves you and I. The last thing I want to show you this morning, and then we're going to hopefully quickly come to the end, is not only does unbelief lead us astray, the wrong direction, not only does unbelief lead us away into the wrong place, unbelief leads us against God. Unbelief leads us against God. Look what it says here in verses 12 and then the first two verses of chapter 28. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him, and therefore he will be my servant forever. Achish literally says, David has turned. He has made them hate him. He, I've got him right where I want him. He is going to be loyal to me forever because he has nowhere else to go. And listen to what happens in verse 1 of chapter 28. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to go fight with Israel, the people of God. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. He says, you've been proving it for a year and four months. <laughs> Let's go whip up on Israel together right now. David could have said, you know what, I've sinned. I have lied this whole time. <laughs> I have not been fighting Israel. I have been strengthening the fact that when I become king, these people are all going to be gone. He could have begged for mercy, but listen to what he says. So David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Achish says, not only do I know what you can do, I'm going to make you my personal bodyguards. Where I go, you go. Who I fight, you fight. There will be no separation between us. And if I'm David, I'm thinking, uh-oh. I can't go hide in the backside of the desert and lie about where I'm at. I can't go fight other people and sneak about it. I am going to be arm in arm locked with a pagan king. I'm going to be killing the same people he is, fighting the same enemies as he is. And you know what the writer of the scripture does right here? Completely stops the story and changes gears completely. And you say, wait a second, how does it end? You'll have to come back and find out. Because it literally starts talking about Saul. And you say, why in the world would it start talking about Saul? <laughs> this is not the best phrase to use, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's kind of like when you do something stupid and someone says, hold my Coke, watch what I can do. I'm going to do something even more dumb. We've seen how David has fallen in this chapter. But what we're getting ready to look at is how, it's not in this sermon, don't worry. Some of you are thinking, he's going to preach a whole, no, I'm, but this chapter is about showing us that we are not the heroes. That we are in need of a hero. We are in need of a savior. 
And so what David does is, is David is now in a situation that he could have never dreamed he would be in. David meant to flee to save his life. David went to war against those other people to keep favor with Achish. That way he could stay there and enjoy being in the land. But what happens is by going astray and going away, he has now put himself in a position where he has to go to war against God and God's people. You see, friends, that's when you wake up one morning and your sin has taken you farther than you wanted to go, kept you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to, to quote Dr. Rogers. You see, friends, David has woke up now realizing my desire to be safe has caused me to sin. My desire to want what is best for me in an earthly sense has cost me to go against spiritual battle against God. And friends, this morning you need to know something. Your unbelief will start small. Well, I know the Bible says this, but... I know that's what my Sunday school teacher quoted from the Scriptures, but... I know I should forgive, but... I know I'm supposed to give... It starts in that moment when you say, I'm going to go astray. And then it looks very different as you are going away from where God wants you to be. But friends, I want to promise you something this morning. If you will not believe and trust God, you will wake up one day saying, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this mess. I don't want to be sitting across from this lawyer signing our marriage away. I don't want to be getting walked out of work because of what I've done. I don't want to ruin the relationships that I have because of the decisions that I've made. And that's where David was. As hopeless as hopeless could be. But it didn't start there. It started 14 months before when David said, do you think that God can keep me safe? Do you think that God can protect me? Is Saul really going to kill me? That's a valid question, by the way. If I'm David, that's a real good question. Is Saul ever going to stop chasing me? Is Saul ever going to leave me alone? What could I do to remove the problem from my life? Now, wives, don't look at your husband and say, there it is, right? Someone that's not here today that was sick likes to send me dad jokes. And the joke was, uh, I told my wife she ought to embrace her mistakes. She got up off the couch and hugged me. And, uh, you know, that's how most of us view it. If I can just remove the problems from my life, if I can just remove these things, sometimes God wants those problems in your life to try your faith, to test you, to grow you, to strengthen you. And so this morning, don't think that just because you are at peace with every situation, that's where God wants you. I have three goals in life from the fleshly standpoint. One, that my wife and I don't fight, which that doesn't always come true. Two, that my children always listen. That doesn't always come true. And that three, this church would never cause any problems anytime. Those are the only three fleshly desires that I have. And guess what? And to eat. Yes, eating is definitely one of them. But I can tell you, my wife and I disagree more than I care to admit. Last night, our child was dancing, literally just dancing in the living room. Fail, 
hit her mouth on the floor, had to go get four stitches at 1.30 in the morning. And I'm thinking, do you kids not listen? It's the same spot you fell and busted open six weeks ago. And as you can tell, my wife and I, I'm like, you're taking her. I'm not going. And then she's like, well, then you can stay home with five kids. No, no, I think I'll take her. Then I said, I can't take her. I got to get my beauty sleep. I got to stand in front of all these people. And as she was thinking, there ain't enough beauty sleep in the world to help that problem. And then even at church, if you were looking for a perfect church with a perfect pastor and perfect people and perfect Sunday school teachers, it does not exist. We are all sinners. If you're looking for perfect children, they don't exist. We are all sinners. If you are looking for a perfect marriage, it doesn't exist because we are all sinners. Now, just because you tell your children perfect does not mean they are perfect. And if you tell your children they do no wrong and make no mistakes, you raise a group of people that are miserable to get along with and mostly live and vote in Chicago. But anyway, that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But um, that's a joke. I know, I know I'm going to get hate mail for that. I'm sorry. But there's a lot of other things I wanted to say and I didn't. So, but that is the problem. We have made ourselves the hero of every story. How many times you start a discussion like this? Well, I just tell you, things will be a whole lot easier if my wife. Or boy, things would be a whole lot better if my husband. Or parents, and if my kids would just. Or as a pastor, if they would just listen. But friends, we have to be reminded that we are all sinners. And listen to what the book of Mark says, and we're going to close. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see, Jesus is the hero of the Bible. Jesus is the hero of my life. Jesus is the hero of your life. It is only Jesus who is perfect. It is only Jesus who is willing to go and die on a cross for your sin and for mine. And so this morning, whether you are in the bottom of a pit because you have made a mess of things or other things have happened, maybe other people have hurt you, today you need to know something. The hero that can pull you up out of the miry clay is not Jacob Gray. It's not 10 Mile Baptist Church. It's not seven better steps to make a better you. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jesus alone. If you're here today and you are starting to struggle in your walk with God, you're just beginning to see the cracks in the armor. Jesus is the answer to your situation. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I, I was a mess and God rescued me. Then today you can thank him for what he has done in your life today. And so I want to remind you, that even if you're in the mess or you are slowly heading toward the mess, God is able. God loves you. He proved that by dying on the cross for your sin and for mine, for being buried and raising from the dead. And so today, if you're here and you're lost, I want to say this. I cannot convince you to be saved. I don't want to convince you to be saved. I am praying that the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now. If you are here and you're saying, Jacob, I'm a sinner. 
I know I'm a sinner. I, I know there's something not right. Friends, God has done that to you. And He's doing it so that He can show you how much He loves you. And that He died for you. And He wants to save you from your sin. But if you're here today and you're hopeless, and you're saying, Jake, it just can't get any worse. It just it can't. God is here for you today too. And He can pick you up, clean you up, and use you for His glory. But I think the one that most of us should be the concerned about the most is how are we talking to ourselves? How are we reasoning with ourselves? Well, I tell you what, I know church is important, but you know what, I'm just really busy right now, and I just got a lot going on. So, you know, our family, church is just not important. Well, you know what, Jake? I know what the Bible says about loving your enemies. I know what it says that. I, I know, I know. But if you had to work with some of the enemies that I had to work with. You see, that's where the dangerous part of reasoning in one's heart starts. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you're making a decision to respond to that text message that someone sent you that you shouldn't respond to. Maybe you're tempted to watch something that you know you shouldn't watch. It's starting in the heart today. You're already reasoning with yourself. Let God take it today. Don't wait until it's a mess. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. And Father, why I don't always understand why you have things written the way you do in your word, I trust you, Lord. And so, Father, I'm praying today, God, that you are doing something in the hearts and lives of the people in this place. Father, where it's encouraging the hurting, convicting the lost, Lord, warning those who are slowly going astray that today could be a life-changing day for them. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would speak, that you would work. Lord, please help us to be humble. Lord, to know that we are not perfect, that we all sin, we all struggle, we all fall short of your glory. And so today, Lord, knock the pride out of us as individuals and as a church and father today i pray that you would do amazing things whether it's saving whether it's restoring whether it's correcting god whatever it is today that you would do it for your glory and your glory alone so father even if there's other things that we've not even talked about but yet your spirit is working i pray that you will give people the courage today to say yes to you and to do whatever it is that you're asking them. And so, Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life, or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.